0: Merry Christmas. This is Bill Woods up here in Sun Valley, Arizona. I want to talk to you today about the miraculous baby boy born in Bethlehem. Say that about four or five times as fast as you can. I remember how cute it was to see a little girl reluctantly lend her doll to the Sunday school because it was being recruited at the last minute and uh, to be the baby Jesus in the nativity scene. It would be wrapped tightly in a blanket. It would be laid on the straw of a homemade manger that probably spent the rest of the year in the church attic. And uh, then they would uh, pretend that it was Jesus. And then they'd say, who are we going to get? Well, Jessica is uh, good to stand in for Mary. And Robert, he's the tallest boy in Sunday school. He makes a perfect Joseph. And once they put a fake beard on him, it'll be ideal. Understand, when I talk about these things, I'm not against nativity scenes. I think they're precious. But we've seen so many year after year that it's hard to read the scripture and see with fresh eyes what is really saying to us. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7 says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when quirinius was governor of syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census and because joseph was a descendant of king david he had to go to bethlehem in judea david's hometown or ancient home he traveled there from the village of nazareth in galilee he took with him mary his fiancee who was now obviously pregnant And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them, or as King James says, there was no room for them in the inn. Now notice four things about the birth of Jesus. One, he was born in history. Two, he was born in David's birthplace three he was his birth was accompanied by hardship and four, he was born in very humble circumstances Jesus was born in history Luke chapter 2 1 2 says at that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria Jesus has a historical context He was real he's part of history he's not a myth not a legend a myth is a person or thing having only an imaginary or unverifiable existence something like Paul Bunyan or Pecos Bill but Jesus was real he was born in history a legend is a story from the past that's required or regarded as historical although not verifiable but Jesus is both historical and verifiable He's not only mentioned in the New Testament, but also by people living when he lived and also in early documents written by people like Josephus, Pliny, Tacitus, uh, Suetonius, uh, Thallus, Lucian, and he's mentioned in the Talmud. Jesus is a, a real person in history that can be verified. We have a record of those who were in power when Jesus was born. There was Caesar Augustus, who was really the emperor Octavian, a founder of the Roman Empire. He reigned from uh, B.C. 27 until his death in A.D. 14, and he was succeeded by Tiberius Caesar. Herod the Great was called king of the Jews, who ruled Judea from 40 B.C. to 4 B.C. You can read about him in Matthew chapter 2. Herod's paranoia and ruthlessness was so well known because of the fact he was so jealous of his throne. He executed three of his own sons, his favorite wife and her mother, and slaughtered all the baby boys in Bethlehem because he was afraid somebody was going to come and usurp his authority as the ruler of of, uh, Judea. Uh, The third ruler, Quirinius, was a military leader and Roman consul in Central Asia Minor, and later imperial legate uh, of Syria, Sicily, AD 6-9, where Josephus said he conducted a census. The census in Luke chapter 2 wasn't recorded historically, but probably took place under a command authority that he had during his military maneuvers in Sicily or during an earlier stint as a governor in Syria. Early heresies such as docetism and modern heresies such as Christian science strip Jesus of his place in history and make him some kind of a Christ figure or metaphysical guru. Scripture puts him within history as a man who lived and died and rose again in real time a man who permanently changed the history that he was born into I liked the thing the the piece that uh, Ken Blanchard wrote called one solitary life said he was born in an obscure village the child of a peasant woman he grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30 Then for three years he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from his place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. But 20 centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Jesus was born in David's birthplace, Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus was born in the birthplace of David. David, David was Israel's greatest king who reigned a thousand years before Jesus was born god had promised david through the prophet samuel that your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever that's second samuel seven sixteen. the prophet micah prophesied 730 years before christ was born in micah 5 2 but you o bethlehem ephratah are only a small village among all the people of judah Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The Jews eagerly expected David's successor and called him the Messiah, the son of David. Jesus is the son of David, this this promised king. It's no accident that Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says that uh, jesus was born in bethlehem jesus birth was accompanied by hardship luke chapter 2 4 through 6 and because joseph was a descendant of king david he had to go to bethlehem in judea david's ancient home he traveled there from the village of nazareth in galilee he took with him mary his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant and while they were there the time came for the baby to be born Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth but God needed them in Bethlehem for this birth in order to fulfill prophecy it just so happened that Rome ordered a tax census and Joseph had to return to his ancestral town Bethlehem to enroll this was the first tax census ever what a coincidence where was it this meant hardship for the family The most glorious event in history was unfolding, but for Joseph and Mary, it was drudgery and hardship. I I think you'd say a real pain. Mary and Joseph lived four days' journey north of Bethlehem in Nazareth, and Mary was pregnant, and a journey late in pregnancy was very, very difficult for her. But if she stayed in Nazareth, she'd have to face scandal alone her unmarried pregnancy could have gotten her stoned to death because they didn't put up with things like that back then like they do today. Luke puts it delicately in Luke chapter 2, verse 5. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Making the problem even worse, it was probably winter. Uh, Larry Shone, one of the state patrolmen that attended my church in, in Arlington, Oregon, Uh, I had had to, he was a state patrolman that stopped me one night. We had had to go to Kennebuck, Washington to hold a service for a church over there. Marty was very pregnant with Kimberly and it was her last trimester. And Larry Saw me driving down the freeway and he pulled, put his lights on, pulled me over and bawled me out for having Marty out so late in her pregnancy, taking a chance, you know, that there might be difficulties. What a horrible journey, though, <laughs> it was for, in, for Mary that time. What a horrible journey in winter for a pregnant teenage mom to have to ride a donkey that far. Can you imagine? Donkeys eat hay and stuff, but there's certainly nothing soft about them to sit on while you're traveling. Who says following God's plan is easy? Just because we face hardships and obstacles doesn't mean that God's absence or that we have misread his will. Sure, we face trouble. But we face even more trouble if we don't follow Jesus Christ. Jesus faced obstacles, but he told his disciples in John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't say, follow me and everything's going to be easy. He said just the opposite, but he did say, I will give you strength. Jesus was born in humble circumstances. Luke 2, 5-7, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The manger always astounds me. Couldn't God have done better for his own son? Jesus wasn't born in a snug home or a sterile hospital. It was because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, we've romanticized the birth and swept up after the animals and thought everything was clean in there. But evidence is clear that it wasn't all that clean and probably the animals hadn't been housebroken and left some messes around the barn and stuff like that god's holy son was born in a dirty stable or a cave where animals were kept his first crib was a common cattle trough why i wonder i ask again wouldn't you think god could have done better than that i don't think that was an accident or god's lack of provision for his son there's a message here Though Jesus was by very nature God, in Philippians 2.6 it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't grasp at, you know, at his prerogatories or prerogatives or flaunt his rights. Instead, he made himself nothing. The Greek kenu, making the very nature of a servant created in human likeness. In Philippians 2, 7, it said, Instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. The Greek word kainu means make empty. Jesus literally emptied himself of all the privileges that he was heir to. He didn't just take a low place. He took the lowest place, and it was for you and me that he might uh, sacrifice and become our Savior. His commission was to preach good news to the poor. Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is quoted from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, that says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. So he was born among the poorest. His disciples argued about who'd be the greatest in the kingdom, but Jesus stopped them short. He said in Mark 10:45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The manger represents serving. The message is clear. Jesus' disciples aren't supposed to seek glory, but to be servants. Serving when it's convenient and serving when it is not convenient. Serving when no one understands or appreciates what we do. Christmas teaches us servanthood. God's serving and then ours. The birth of Jesus Christ is the greatest gift you will ever receive. Today people are scrambling to pick up gifts for people they care about or feel obligated to give something to. All those iPods, computers, cars, toys or whatever you're going to wear out, you know, are going to wear are going to one day wear out and be tossed away, but the gift of God will last for all eternity. Most expensive gifts come with a warranty. If they wear out or have a faulty part, they can be replaced. But I want you to know God's gift will never wear out or have to be replaced, but it still carries a warranty. Our warranty is eternal life with Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to say Merry Christmas to you. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Because I I found this a long time ago. It's a poem that said, "'Twas the night before Jesus came." I thought I would share it on this tape with you. It was the night before Jesus came, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care, in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead, and Mom in her rocker, with baby on her lap, was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter i sprang to my feet to see what was the matter away to the window i flew like a flash tore open the shutters and threw up the sash when what to my wondering eyes should appear but angels proclaiming that jesus was here with a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray i knew in a moment this must be the day the light of his face made me cover my head it was jesus returning just like he had said and though i possess worldly wisdom and wealth i cried when i saw him in spite of myself in the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man he spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said it's not here my head hung in shame the people whose names had been written with love he gathered to take to his father above with those who were ready he arose with a sound While all the rest were left standing around i fell to my knees but it was too late i had waited too long and this sealed my fate i stood and i cried as they rose out of sight oh if only i had been ready tonight in the words of this poem the meaning is clear the coming of jesus is drawing near there's only one life and when comes the last call will find that the bible was true after all god so loved the world he sent his only begotten son in some very humble circumstances so he could relate to you that you need a savior and i hope this christmas that you realize that the greatest gift that was ever given was jesus christ our lord to become your savior to give you eternal life to forgive you of your sins and to take you to heaven to live with him forever Let's pray. Father, I pray that the ones who are listening to this today will understand the importance of accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, as a personal gift from you, giving eternal life and making us part of the family of God. And I pray, God, as as people have listened today, that they will sense the need to confess their sins and ask you to be their Lord and Savior. And Lord, we'll give you the praise because of the fact you did come, you were real, you are real, and you were part of history, and we can look back and realize there's no myth, there's no legend. There's just the Son of God who came to redeem us from all sin, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, Merry Christmas. This is Bill Woods. You can contact me through my email address. R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com or through the mail at uh, Box 4031 Sun Valley, Arizona 86029 God bless you.